everyone, this is Jeffrey Kerr. The 73rd Annual Primetime Emmy Awards are upon us. They'll be taking place on Sunday, September 19th at 8pm on CBS. Today, I have a special guest joining me to discuss our predictions for the winners in the drama, comedy, and limited series categories. You previously heard him on my recap of this year's Oscars, where we discussed everything regarding the good, the bad, and the big mistake of ending the telecast with Best Actor when it should have been Best Picture. <laughs> Please welcome back Jack Mahanes. Hey, how's it going, Jeffrey? Good to be oh, back. It's going yeah. good, yeah. Are you ready to start? Let's do this. Let's get let's dive into these categories. Yeah, so first I want to start with the limited series categories. And in the category of outstanding limited series, the nominees are I May Destroy You, Mayor of Easttown, The Queen's Gambit, The Underground Railroad, and WandaVision. So back in the fall when The Queen's Gambit debuted, it not only proved to be an enormous hit for Netflix, but it literally kind of ran the early award season with Golden Globes and Critics' Choice. That was before we got a couple buzzy shows since then within the winter and spring, such as WandaVision and Mare of Easttown. And by process of elimination, all five of these contenders are nominated for casting, but only Mare of Easttown, The Queen's Gambit, and WandaVision are nominated for picture editing. It's important to have nominations in those two categories, as they are usually required to win a top series award. So statistically speaking, that takes I May Destroy You and the Underground Railroad out of the running. So, Jack, what do you currently think is winning Outstanding Limited Series? Man, you're starting with, I think, what in my opinion is the toughest category of the night to predict. Like, this could just come down to just a few votes that separates a person that came in first and second. I mean, this is one of those predictions, maybe about four categories. Like, everything else I've settled on, but this is maybe one of four categories where I could easily change my mind after the creative arts happened this weekend. Mm -hmm. But... Right now, in a very tight race, I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to say Mayor of Easttown. Because Mayor of Easttown got every nomination it needed. Obviously, everything you said about the Queen's Gambit is true that it ran the Winter Precursors. But it missed a couple key categories that's a little disconcerting. Specifically, Bill Camp missing out. Uh, Mariel Heller missing out. WandaVision actually could do it because WandaVision could dominate the creative arts ceremony. I'm predicting WandaVision for two other awards, which we'll get to in a bit. But um, I'm going with Mayor of Easttown. It's a very popular show right now. It was a show that everyone was talking about when it was airing. And so that's what I'm going to go with for now. But I could easily switch to The Queen's Gambit or WandaVision before the ceremony. But that's that's where I am right now. Well, yeah. In fact, it's also worth noting that Mayor of Easttown, you know, it was the most recent, well, one of the two most recent shows that they viewed of this lineup, the other being the Underground Railroad. But Mayor of Easttown was dropping new episodes week by week, unlike The Queen's Gambit, where because it was on Netflix, all episodes premiered at once. So Mayor of Easttown does have the advantage of really building its buzz while it was airing new episodes. Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. Not to mention there might still be a bit of resistance awarding Netflix a top series award, even though it might not be as much a factor in the category coming up. More on that later. I am currently predicting Mare of Easttown. Though, as you say, depending on what happens at Creative Arts, like if we see one series win both casting and picture editing, that could be key. You're definitely onto something with WandaVision. Like, in fact, do you have that in the number two position right now or Queen's Gambit? I have Queen's Gambit at number two, and I have WandaVision in third place. And I have I May Destroy You fourth. And the Underground Row, Row is the only one that has zero chance of winning, given that it missed out for its actors. Yeah, I have that exact same predicted lineup as well. And I agree with everything you just said. So, you know, the interest has kind of shifted away from Queen's Gambit in a way. 
Like I remember when the winter awards were happening that, you know, there was enthusiasm for it, but it just from like what I've been reading, it's just kind of the enthusiasm is just kind of dying off a little bit since we've had Mayor of Easttown and WandaVision. It could still be a Queen's Gambit night for limited series, but I kind of feel like Queen's Gambit kind of peaked. Well, yeah, although one could argue Mayor of Easttown was peaking at just the right time, you know, near the end yes. of the eligibility cycle and all. Yes, so I guess now moving on to the acting categories, in Outstanding Limited Series Supporting Actress, we have WandaVision winning two awards, and I'm guessing one of them is here for Katherine Hahn. Correct. Though so a lot of people are thinking that this category is a done deal for Katherine Hahn. I don't think that. I'm predicting her because it has been one of the most buzzed about performances this Emmy cycle. But there's one person, in my opinion, that she has to watch out for, and that's Julianne Nicholson. We know voters, based on how well it did with the nominations, especially with the acting branch, we know they saw it. And Julianne Nicholson gets that amazing scene in the last episode of Mayor of Easttown that's just absolutely heartbreaking. But the reason I'm not going with Julianne Nicholson is because it's just that one scene. Before that, you know, it's a good, solid performance. It's, there's just nothing about it that really stands out until we get to that scene in the final episode. So that's why I'm going with Katherine Hahn. Yeah, you do make a good point. I must admit, I am currently predicting Julian Nicholson, again, kind of this hunch that, you know, I could just see Murphy's Stone winning as many Emmys as possible on the main telecast, but we'll see. Yeah, and it, it's down to those two. Jean Smart might have had a better shot in this category if she was not the heavy front runner in another category that we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then I don't really see the other three as major contenders. So it's a solid two-way race between Katherine Hahn and Julian Nicholson, but I'm going with Katherine Hahn. And yeah, you do make a good point of, you know, well, Julian Nicholson doesn't really get a standout moment in Mervy's tone until the very end. And of course, it's a matter of how much that will be on voters' minds. But no, we'll see. I mean, if it was the tape system, Julian Nicholson would probably have this in the bag. But we're not in the tape system anymore. Now on to Outstanding Limited Series Supporting Actor. I guess this is a Mayor of Easttown when I feel a little more comfortable in predicting that I do have Evan Peters. How about you? I have him too. I mean, this was one where I think this became a very wide open race after John Boyega, Bill Camp, and Donald Sutherland missed. If I'm not mistaken, I think they were the three that were leading going into the nominations mm-hmm. on, in the Golder odds. So when all three of them missed, I think it was a complete game changer all around. I have Evan Peters. It's sort of like a process of elimination for me. Kind of going on a little bit of process of elimination. Jonathan Groff and Anthony Rainbows, I think, are completely out of it. They haven't generated that necessary buzz to really be like major contenders. Thomas Bray Sangster, I think, has potential if Queen's Gambit has a great night. But I just don't think Queen's Gambit is that strong for him to be carried along with a win. David Diggs, I actually think maybe has the best chance of any Hamilton actor to win. Well, um, he did win the Tony for the Broadway production, beating his co-stars, Jonathan Groff and Christopher Jackson. And he was nominated for SAG earlier this year. And he was the one Hamilton performer who got nominated there. Yes, and then Papa's Isidu. He might have a, a really good shot. A lot of people really liked his performance in I May Destroy You. But in the end, you know, I'm going with Evan Peters. I think ever since the nominations came out, I mean, that was the nomination I think that was the most talked about. And he has seemed to have taken a strong lead, at least in the Gold Derby odds. And so I'm predicting him, but I don't think he wins. And my prediction for lead actress in a limited series does not win. I kind of just gave that away, but Uh-oh. I think he only wins as a coattail. 
Well, since you brought it up, why don't we move over to lead actress in the limited series? Yes. And so I'm predicting Kate Winslet for Mayor of Easttown. This uh, is the category for Mayor of Easttown I feel the most comfortable predicting. It's not a lock. There are a lot of viable contenders here. Anya Taylor-Joy swept the winter precursors, but a couple years ago, so did Patricia Arquette. And then Michelle Williams and Fosse Verdon, that performance came out and completely stole all the attention away from Patricia Arquette. I remember when Mare was airing earlier this year, all the attention was shifting away from Anya Taylor-Joy and on to Kate Winslet. And for good reason, because in my opinion, it's the better performance. <laughs> uh, here's my main case for Kate Winslet over Anya Taylor-Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy, it's a very good performance, but it's a very, very stoic role. She is not like this big dramatic role. It's just this very stoic, it's more of an internal performance than a, a performance where she shows her emotions. Whereas Kate Winslet, yes, it's a subtle role, but Kate Winslet gets those big killer moments that mm-hmm. actors love. And she does the D-Glam, which actors also love. And actors are the only ones voting on this. Yeah, Michaela Cole and Elizabeth Olsen, I think, have potential, but it just really feels like a two-way race between Kate Winslet and Anya Taylor-Joy. And I think Kate Winslet's going to be the one to pull it off. Yeah, I agree. I could see Mayor of Easttown only winning this award, but I, I am predicting both Kate and Evan to win. In case, I guess moving on to Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited Series, and this is where I do have WandaVision winning for Paul Bettany, and it is worth noting, I recently did a piece for Gold Derby explaining how Paul Bettany could win, specifically the fact that he's also the star of an Emmy-nominated TV movie, Uncle Frank, where he gave two different performances this past year. Yes, I'm predicting him too, but kind of by default, because I think before the nomination came out, almost all of us thought Ethan Hawke was just going to run away with this. He was shockingly snubbed. And so this is just kind of a weak category overall. You know, once again, just kind of going by process of elimination. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda has zero chance of winning. Well, yeah, he couldn't even win the Tony in lead actor against, well, Aaron Bird, the damn fool who shot him. (laughs) Hugh Grant, the undoing just completely bombed. Especially with the actors. I mean, Nicole Kidman and Donald Sutherland missing out is a sign that the actors just really didn't care for the show as a whole. And he just kind of made it as a space filler. I really don't get why a lot of people are predicting him, given that voters clearly didn't care about it. Hugh McGregor, I think, has potential. He's very well respected by his fellow actors. And then Leslie Ohm Jr. won Tony for this role. And so I could easily see him winning. But I am going with Paul Bettany because I think, you know, WandaVision is this major contender across the board, really overperformed and did exactly what it needed to do with the acting branch. And so I can easily see just this category, him winning because this category lined up perfectly for him. Yeah, even though we did see Mark Ruffalo win this category last year, despite being the lone representation for his show, I know this much is true. Uh, A series that a lot of people didn't really care for beyond his performance. But it's Mark Ruffalo and Mark Ruffalo is beloved. And so I I knew it kind of felt weird not predicting him. I ended up going with Hugh Jackman. um, I predicted Jeremy Irons. I thought about Jeremy Irons, but I ended up going with Hugh Jackman, given that he's beloved and Bad Education was pretty much a lock to win TV movie. Well, yeah, even though it did underperform because it didn't get Alice and Janney nominated, as well as the fact that, well, no performance in TV movies since Michael Douglas and Behind the Candle Opera has won an acting Emmy. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. In fact, it's also worth noting regarding Leslie Odom Jr., as well as, you know, his other Hamilton co-stars, Renee Lee Goldsbane, David Diggs. Well, history is not on their side because most of the time, whenever we see actors reprise 
Royce or Tony winning performances on TV. And if they get Emmy nominated, they don't tend to win. There are exceptions to the rule, like Jeffrey Wright's and Angels in America, Mary Martin and Peter Pan way back in the day, and Roberts Morrison True. But still, for the most part, history is not on their side. And that's why I'm going with Paul Bettany, because yeah. I just kind of was just weighing the pros and cons of all the nominees. And the only thing Paul Bettany has going against him is just that Vision is just not this very dynamic character. Which is the reason why Matt Negley of Next Best Picture is not predicting him. Yeah, I mean, he said everyone at Gold Derby's crazy for <laughs> predicting Paul Bettany. And it's just like, and you all are predicting Hugh Grant, even though The Undoing completely bombed? No offense, but I mean, come on, The Undoing... Like, missing out those two key acting nominations is a sign that Hugh Grant's not winning this. Well, yeah. In fact, a friend of mine pointed out why he stuck with Mark Ruffalo at the Emmys. Because, look, he was playing twins. Two performances for the price of one, which did not help Hugh McGregor for the third season of Fargo a few years ago. But he felt that helped Ruffalo last year. Yeah, but a lot of people were predicting Paul Mescal. I didn't go there, but I think I think I had him in second. Well, yeah, this is where I do have one division winning, even though for you, this is one of two. But I guess now moving on to the comedy series categories. Okay, the nominees for outstanding comedy series are Blackish, Cobra Kai, Emily in Paris, The Flight Attendant, Hacks, The Kaminsky Method, Pen15, and Ted Lasso. So by process of elimination, The Flight Attendant, Hacks, The Kaminsky Method, Pin 15, and Ted Lasso are each nominated for casting. However, only three of those, The Flight Attendant, Hacks, and Ted Lasso, are also nominated for picture editing. And I think this is a bit of an easy one to call for right now. Ted Lasso, you know, it's become one of Apple TV Plus's flagship shows. It's especially airing its second season right when Emmy voting was taking place. So it's got the buzz and momentum at the moment, I think. You hit the nail right in the head. Everything you just mentioned is why this is Ted Lasso's to lose. This is a show that everyone is sort of the most enthusiastic about at the moment. Apple TV Plus has been very smart to air its second season during final voting. The first season aired back in August. And so airing season two while final voting is happening is definitely keeping it fresh in their minds. Ted Lasso, I think, has done a much better job at bringing people in to subscribe to Apple TV Plus than, let's say, The Morning Show. Everyone I know is talking about Ted Lasso at the moment, and it's a great show. I think it's going to win a lot, and it's, I think, got comedy series in the bag. I really don't see it losing. I agree. Now, on to Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. There may be two Ted Lasso ladies nominated there, but I think Kina Waddingham has the edge over Juno Temple. I think this is one of the safest bets of the entire night. I think Hannah Waddingham is absolutely going to take this one. Because if you talk to most people who love Ted Lasso, they'll say either one of these two things. She's either tied for your favorite with Ted Lasso himself, Jason Sudeikis, or she's their favorite performance slash character of the whole series. Given how huge of a contender Ted Lasso is, it's just really hard to imagine her not being part of a Ted Lasso dominated night. I agree. I mean, I think her closest competition is probably another Hannah, Hannah Einbinder for Hacks, given that, well, A, she's not up against the co-star, coupled with the fact that, well, she's a co-lead, which we've seen help people at the Oscars in the past. But no, I think it's a safer bet to go with Hannah Waddingham. You know, I think Einbinder is going to be a respectable but distant second place She has a chance, but it just really just seems like Hannah Waddingham has all the heat behind her at the moment. 
that. Now let's move on to a bit of a tougher category, which is Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series, where there are two people from Saturday Night Live nominated, four from Ted Lasso, Paul Reiser from The Kaminsky Method, and Carl Clemens Hopkins from Hacks. Now, I'm currently predicting Brett Goldstein specifically because, you know, as season two is airing, he had a standout episode, which Will Mavity of Next Best Picture tweeted about, which he thinks could help him as it premiered during Emmy voting. And I think... This category is at a far greater risk of Ted Lasso splitting the vote than Comedy Supporting Actress. But I am going to go with Brett Goldstein. I thought long and hard about this category. And I think this race comes down to three people. Him, Keenan Thompson, and Bowen Yang. I think those are the top three contenders. But Goldstein, Roy Kent, his character, has been really growing in popularity as the second season has been premiering, I mean, maybe they wait till next year to give it to him. But I could see that, you know, in a competitive field, I can see that making the difference. And I don't really think any of the others in the category have, you know, the momentum behind them to win. I mean, in terms of the Ted Lasso actors, I can't see Nick Muhammad winning, but I can see him taking away enough votes for Brett Goldstein to lose. Mm-hmm. And then... I, I don't really think Brendan Hunt and Jeremy Swift are factors in this race. I mean, they're good on the show, but their roles don't stand out enough to separate them from their co-stars to win. Paul Reisner, maybe he could do it, but it just doesn't seem like anyone really cares about the Kaminsky method that much. I mean, it just feels like a show that was just like hot for like 15 minutes in early 2019 and then everyone just kind of forgot about it i don't see it happening and then carl clemens hopkins his nomination shows that the actors really liked hacks but you know as i said about you know a couple of ted lasso stars his role's not big enough for him to win in my opinion yeah it's a respectable coattail nomination Yes, for sure. And to your point of, you know, top three potentially being Goldstein, Thompson, and Yang, well, it helps that Goldstein's the only one who's not on Saturday Night Live, so he doesn't have a coaster in that top three to pull votes away from. Correct. I just think that, yes, it's four Ted Lasso actors nominated, but he clearly stands out amongst those four. But Bo and Yang, I actually think, is someone to really watch out for because for Kean Thompson, I mean, I think people kind of have him up front by default, just assuming that Ted Lasso was just automatically going to split because it's four actors nominated. But Kean Thompson, I love Kean Thompson on Saturday Night Live, but he didn't really have any memorable material this past season. I mean, he's overdue, but I just- Well, I don't for see- an acting Emmy, I believe he has an Emmy for co-songwriting on Saturday Night Live, but no, not for acting. Yes, so people consider him overdue for acting, but I just don't see them giving it to him this year. It's not impossible, but I'm just saying why I don't think it's likely to happen. And then Bowen Yang was just the big breakthrough star of this season on SNL. But SNL actors don't really have um, a great history of winning these supporting categories. So that's why after really thinking about it for a while, I'm going with Brett Goldstein, but I am not nearly as confident in predicting him as I am predicting Hannah Waddingham. Me too. So now moving on to Outstanding Lead Actress in the Comedy Series. Okay, so if this was back in the fall, we were probably going on saying, oh yeah, Kelly Cuoco's got it in the back, but that was before Hex came in and Gene Smarts has the momentum, as well as an additional bid in Supporting Actress in the Limited Series for Mayor of Beast Town. And yeah, I think that visibility's going to help her tremendously here. I mean, she kills it on Hex. Even though last couple of times she's been nominated, we predicted her to win, but someone else won instead. But I think things are looking good for her this time here. She has this in the back. I'm just going to say this right now. She is 100% winning this. 
And I think before the nominations came out, we sensed that like there was this rising momentum for hacks as right before the nominations happened. But I think the big thing that made it clear that Gene Smart was winning this is hacks overperformed with the acting branch. And the flight attendant missed a lot of key acting nominations and only got in for Kaylee Cuoco and Rosie Perez. I mean, Kaylee Cuoco is obviously the one who's going to be in second place, but I think it's going to be a very distant second place. I just think Gene Smart has this in the bag for her very Joan Rivers type character. And it really just seems like Gene Smart's just having this amazing year with Hacks and with Mayor of Easttown. And so, yeah, I just think this is one of the biggest locks of the night. And I think there's no way Gene Smart is losing the Emmy for Hacks. Yeah, sorry, Kelly Cuoco. Hey, maybe you'll have a better shot in a future season of The Flight Attendant. But moving on to Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series. Okay, I guess the rope thing we should be guessing here. Who do you think is going to be the distant runner-up to Jason Sudeikis? (laughs) Yeah, the question is not, you know, who's going to win this. It's who's that far to second place. I mean, maybe Michael Douglas, but I don't know. No, Jason Sudeikis, I'm going to use this Oscar comparison uh, that my friend Tara Khan once shared with me. Jason Sudeikis, this is going to be an Emma Thompson, Howard's End style blowout where he gets like over 75% of the vote in a five-way race. Like he swept the winter precursors. He is the title character of the show. And let's just say, worst case scenario, Ted Lasso just wins this. You know, there's no way that Jason Sudeikis is not winning. Yeah, I agree. And another year, I guess, maybe Michael Douglas, given that's the final season, the Kaminsky method, as well as him being the most respected actor of all the nominees. But no, Sudeikis, he's got it in the bag. Agreed 100%. So now on to the drama series categories. Now, Outstanding Drama Series is usually the final award presented of the night, which is why I saved it for last. So the nominees for Outstanding Drama Series this year are The Boys, Bridgerton, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Lovecraft Country, The Mandalorian, Pose, and This Is Us. By process of elimination, Bridgerton, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Lovecraft Country, and The Mandalorian are each nominated for casting. However, only three of those, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, and The Mandalorian, are also nominated for picture editing. As I mentioned earlier, there might still be a resistance sorting Netflix and limited series, but things are looking pretty good for The Crown and Drama series. The time has come for The Crown's coronation. The Crown completely dominated the winner awards. It won everything. And it even did what Succession did not do last year, which was not only get SAG nominations, but The Crown also won Drama SAG Ensemble, which Succession didn't do and wasn't even nominated for that category. So I'm going to just say this right now. I think The Crown is in an even stronger position than Succession was for Drama Series last year. I almost agree with that. I mean, we saw like last year with The Crown, it only got two acting nominations. This year it was nine. Two directing nominations, one writing nomination, and a lot of creative arts support. And so it has everything going for it. And this is one of those categories where I would be shocked to see any other result. Oh, yeah. Plus, it was the most buzziest season ever, especially with the introduction of Princess Diana in the mix. Absolutely. And I know we're going to get to that category in a little bit. I think this is the crown salutes. And outstanding supporting actress in the drama series, I think Jillian Anderson easily takes this. Her Margaret Thatcher is pretty much equivalent to John Lithgow's powerhouse performance as Winston Churchill in the first season. This, in my opinion, is the biggest lock of all the drama categories. Jillian Anderson earlier this year won the Golden Globe, which, by the way, John Lithgow did not do. We should point that out. Yes. Uh, choice. So that obviously, you know, great winner precursor support. 
But the big thing for her was that she won SAG, which combines lead and supporting performances. She was up against Emma Corrin and Olivia Colman. And SAG is not a small group at all. If she can overcome vote splitting with them, overcoming vote splitting with Helena Bottom Carter and Emerald Fennell for much smaller roles will be a cakewalk for Gillian Anderson. Yeah, this is the biggest lock of all the drama categories. And also, we should point out, she does the physical transformation into a real-life person. And no one loves that more than actors. And actors are the only ones voting for this category. She is a shoe-in to win. Yeah, just like, you know, John Lithgow was a few years ago at the Emmys. Now moving on to, I guess, that category, which is Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. Okay, now a lot of people on Gold Derby are predicting Michael Kenneth Williams for Lovecraft Country, and we should acknowledge that at the time of this recording, yesterday, Michael Kenneth Williams was sadly found dead in his apartment at the age of 54. Yeah, I'm just really, really torn. I know a lot of people have Michael K. Williams up front to win this, But Lovecraft Country is a canceled series. Many pundits say that could really hurt him. And also, um, that premiered in summer of last year. That doesn't help it at all. But I think the big question is, because if some of us are skeptical of predicting Michael K. Williams, if not him, then who? I'm currently predicting Tobias Menzies as a potential sweep for the crown, but anything's possible. Well, let's kind of go through this category a little bit. I think Max Minghella is out. I think Chris Sullivan's out. Bradley Whitford is proven to be an Emmy favorite, so maybe, but I don't think that's happening. John Lithgow, I know Perry Mason missed series, but again, keep in mind, only actors are voting on it, so series snubs Yeah, just, are... just like last year's winner in this category, Billy Crudup. Yeah, I could see John Lithgow potentially doing it given that he's won six Emmys in the past. O.T. Benley, right now I should say, as we're recording this, I'm in the middle of season three of The Handmaid's Tale, but from everything I've read, like he is by far the standout of the three Handmaid's Tale actors nominated here, so he could surprise. And then John Carlo Esposito is definitely considered you know, overdue. I hate making that argument for anyone, but it is, I think, known to everyone that he does not have an Emmy yet, so maybe he pulls it out in a wide-open category. Tobias Menzies, I think, is definitely in the running, especially if the crown gets on a sweep. The only thing I'm going to point out about that is even places where the crown got on a sweep, he has not been able to win, whether it be the Critics' Choice or, I know it's just fans voting, but even the Gold Derby Awards. Crown won so much, but he was not able to win. For now, I'm kind of going with Michael K. Williams by default, but I'm guessing that I will probably switch to someone else before the Emmys. Because I just don't feel like, you know, Lovecraft Country is strong enough to give it a win. Well, yeah, you can almost pretty much throw a dart at the board at pretty much the top six we mentioned and really just go with what you landed on. Right. Okay, now on to Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series. There may be two crown ladies nominated here, the Queen and Olivia Coleman, but I'm predicting the Princess Diana Emma Corrin. In fact, it'd be interesting because, okay, the new biographical film Spencer starring Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana just debuted at Telluride and it's already getting so many rave reviews and Kristen Stewart's already looking like one to watch in the Best Actress Oscar race. So it'd be interesting if we see a repeat from a few years ago where John Lithgow wins the Emmy for playing Winston Churchill on the Crown 
around. And a few months later, Gary Oldman wins the Oscar for playing Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour. And- Absolutely. And this category has a lot of strong contenders, but I'm pretty confident that Emma Corrin is going to take this one. She kind of fits the mold of, you know, the type of actresses that have won this category in the past few years. Kind of the young breakthrough actress on their first or second nomination. You know, Claire Foy won for The Crown a few years ago. Jodie Comer won a couple years ago. Zendaya won last year, which was a shock to everyone except Luca Giliberti and Robert Curry. <laughs> and not to mention that when Jodie Comer won, she managed to beat her co-star, Sandra Oh, who's far more respected and overdue than she was at that point. And this year, Emma Corn is pretty much the Jodie Comer to Olivia Coleman's Sandra Oh, where Olivia Coleman more well-established, more respected, and hasn't won an Emmy yet. That's a great comparison. I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, there are some people that are speculating whether Emma Corrin and Olivia Coleman split the vote, but... You would be very hard-pressed to find someone who actually says, I liked Olivia Coleman's performance more than Emma Corrin's. It's just Emma Corrin and Josh O'Connor were the center of the season. It's just kind of hard to imagine, given how heavy The Crown is a frontrunner for drama series, Emma Corrin not being part of a Crown-dominated night. Um, of course, there are a couple of alternatives that we should talk about, but I, I think... I'm like eight out of 10 sure that Emma Corrin is winning this. And I kind of think that a lot of people are overthinking it a little bit because some people are worried that they're going to split. But Emma Corrin to Olivia Coleman is like what Jodie Comer was to Sandra O, where one clearly stands out, you know, performance-wise when you put two against each other. Um, So I think the first alternative I think we should definitely talk about is Elizabeth Moss, who is getting the best reviews ever of the series. Now, granted that we haven't had a repeat winner in this category since Claire Danes, and that was back with the tape system, but we're slowly seeing like the repeat bias is going away or the repeat curse is going away. You know, Peter Dinklage was able to win back to back for the last two seasons of Game of Thrones. And last year, Julia Garner won for the second year in a row for Ozark, which I'm a massive Ozark stan, not just fan, I'm a stan. And so it's going to happen in a lead category at some point, whether it be this year or very soon. I think Elizabeth Moss is definitely more in the running than a lot of people are giving her credit for, especially considering how well The Handmaid's Tale did with the acting branch. I mean, it came back in a big way, and she could benefit from that. I think the other person we have to talk about is MJ Rodriguez. Who's actually my number two. Yes, and she's a lot of people's, you know, number two or number one. And she's definitely in this race. However, I was talking with a friend of mine who's, you know, as much of an awards follower as I am. I'm not going to disclose his name, but he was one of the earliest predictors of Zendaya last year. He had her winning like two weeks after the nominations came out, had her winning almost the whole way through. And he said something to me that was kind of interesting. And it was like, he's kind of right. I think some of us believe like these big industry groups care about narratives more than they actually do. You know, ever since um, the nominations happened, the press that MJ Rodriguez has received is for how historic her nomination is. She's the first transgender actor to be nominated in a lead acting category. But as I mentioned, I haven't watched Pose, but for a lot of people I know who have watched it, they say she doesn't get winning material until that very last episode. For the same reason I'm not predicting Julianne Nicholson for limited series supporting actress, that's why I'm not predicting MJ Rodriguez. And I think some people say like getting the nomination was the hard part for her. There wasn't this surprise person that MJ Rodriguez knocked out in order to get in. Most of us were predicting her to get in. And so it kind of felt like they had to nominate her because there weren't too many contenders to go around. Can she win? Yes. 
but I think people are kind of overestimating how much the TV Academy actually cares about narratives. At the end of the day, they really do go for the most acclaimed performance. And one final thing I'll make, I, I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent, but one final point I'll make, what my friend who predicted Zendaya last year said to me was he said that Sandra Oh, a couple of years ago, had the perfect narrative going for her. It was 11 or 12th nomination without a win, and she would have been the first Asian American to win that category, and they went with her white co-star, who had the more buzzed about performance. And so I think the, the two most buzzed about performances in this category have been Emma Corrin and Elizabeth Moss. MJ Rodriguez is a contender, but I have her in third. I will say that if MJ does win, then that's probably a sign that voters really did watch Pose all the way through. Yes, it is possible because I think, you know, she has her fans, but the question is, are those fans TV Academy voters? I mean, she got the nomination, but can she win over the heart of the heavy drama series frontrunner? Yeah, that's a very good point. I guess moving on to our final category, Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. And since we're predicting Emma Corden to win lead actress, I think it makes sense to predict Josh O'Connor to win lead actor. Do you agree with that? I am predicting him, but I'm not as confident predicting him as I am predicting, say, Gillian Anderson or Emma Corrin. And I think one thing I've been listening to from a lot of awards podcasts is a lot of people are skeptical that, you know, the voters are going to want to give an Emmy to Josh O'Connor for who he's playing. And I think the one thing that really hurts Josh O'Connor is that there is one strong alternative in this category that he needs to watch out for, and that's Billy Porter. His reviews for season three are pretty much as strong as they were for season one. He didn't win last year, but, you know, Succession was just so big that one of those two men was winning. But I think with The Crown is so strong this year that I think Josh is probably just going to be carried along for the ride. He's helped by the fact that he doesn't have a co-star in his category. But, you know, Josh has to really worry that, like, Billy Porter is, is his only threat. And he is the celebrity whose star profile continues to rise. He is the heart of Pose. And so, you know, it's just actors voting. And, you know, The Crown did a lot better with the acting branch than Pose did. But I could easily see them giving it to Jillian and Emma, but then going with Billy instead of Josh. I could see that happening, but I, I am going with Josh O'Connor. Yeah. In fact, it is worth noting that for a while, many years in a row, the winner of this category is usually a person from a first-year show or last-year show, last year being an anomaly since Succession was in its second season. But if it's between the two we talked about, then it's kind of going back to that rule where it would be a final-year show, although this isn't the final season of The Crown, but it is for Josh O'Connor as his character is going to be played by Dominic West in the next two seasons. Correct. So yeah, I guess that now just about does it for our discussion on our predictions for the winners of this year's Emmy Awards. At the time of this recording, the Creative Arts Awards haven't taken place yet, but by the time this episode is up, they have already taken place. So I'll be posting on my website my final predictions with any updates I may come up with. So thank you, Jack, for joining me today. My pleasure, Jeffrey. Thanks for inviting me on. Would you mind telling the listeners where they can find you on the internet, especially since you're now on Twitter? Yes, because um, I a Twitter account since we last spoke. I'm just at Jack Mahanes on Twitter. And, you know, I'm primarily a musician, but award season is like the best hobby in the world for me. And something that I passionately follow and always will passionately follow. And so you can find me there. You can find me on Instagram at Jack Mahanes. And you can find me on my Facebook page, Jack Mahanes 
yeah, that's where you can find me on social media. And for those listening, if you're trying to make Emmy predictions, well, hopefully we've done the best we can to be helpful. And good luck to you all. And we'll see what happens. And hey, hopefully we'll meet again sometime after the Emmys to recap. So goodbye, everyone. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.